We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. As Jared said, we welcome all of you here, visitors to the church. If this is your first time, thank you for coming. We really mean that. We count it a blessing that you are here. I'd love to meet every one of you if I haven't yet. Uh, it's a privilege for you being with us. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of the ministries right now are uh, in their summer mode, but that doesn't mean that their ministry stops. A lot of times this is the one of the very valuable times in the church to serve. And so would you just pray for our church and the churches around that the right volunteers would uh, find that in their heart to come and to serve and to be an important part of making a difference in someone else's life. Uh, these guys that have just played the music for us and led us in our music time make a difference in my life, don't, don't they, for you? I'm very grateful for each one of them. Uh, I want to mention a couple of them here tonight. Is Where's Joel? Is he sitting here? Joel, thank you. Would you stand up so, just so everybody can see you? Joel was leading us tonight. Joel Tetmeyer, we're glad you're here. Long time Denton Bible, but Joel has been... Uh, off at getting education and he's also been serving another church leading music there and Joel has come and joined the music team here at Denton Bible Church and I just want you to make him welcome thank you for coming and being with us okay yeah some of you have known him for a long time and a fine young man and we're we're glad to have you and we as the the evening service family welcome you and man we just want to help in every way we can to make this a great time and also, uh, Mark Apel. Mark's already standing up back there. Uh, Mark has helped lead our team for several years here at the church. And uh, if you know Mark personally, you know he not only is very talented with his gifts of music and leading, and, but he's one of the most humble men that I've ever met. He is a fine Christian man. He and his, his wife and family now, little baby, are, are just a blessing. And uh, Joel, uh, I mean, uh, Mark, we are so grateful for you as Joel comes to transition and leading this group. We are so grateful for the years that you have served us here. He's done very, very well. And would you tell him how much you're thankful for him? God bless you. We pray for Mark and wherever God leads him in ministry, I know that it'll be a blessing wherever he goes. So thank you, brother, very, very much. We're going to talk about a tough subject tonight. In the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, uh, Jesus spoke about current events. I've heard so much in the last few years, oh, I just wish preachers would stop talking about politics, and I wish preachers would stop talking about what's going on in our country, and I wish preachers would stop talking about, and there's an endless list of those kind of things. Uh, we'll see here tonight, preachers are supposed to talk about current events, the things that are happening in our world, we're just supposed to talk of it uh, in light of the Bible. What does the Bible say? Great story. I heard a little girl was asked one time, do you love your grandmother and your granddaddy? And she said, oh, I love them greatly. Well, why do you love them? And she said uh, a lot of nice things about their grandmother and granddad. And, and the person asked her again, well, what is one of the things that you just love most about them? How do you know that they love you so much? And this little girl said, because when they read a story to me at night, they don't skip any pages. How many of us are just guilty? <laughs> you know, you're tired. You've had all, uh, we've just had our grandson for the first time for the last three days. We still have our grand dog, if anybody wants to come help. 
Uh, so I'm a little tired here tonight, but I thought that was a great story. That, that granddaughter knew that her grandparents loved her because even though it was the same story, they'd read over and over and over again. They didn't skip any pages. Well, I thought about that and I thought, what a great testimony of what a church ought to be and what Christians ought to be. We love Christ because he's loved us first. And we love his word, the Bible. I hope you didn't come here to be entertained tonight because it's not an entertainment place. We have a much higher calling than that. And that is to be true to God's word, to preach and to teach and to minister in the name of Christ, to be hands and feet that you can see here, never to lift ourselves up. Oh my goodness, if Tommy has said before, and I agree, if if you knew all about my life, you wouldn't want me to even be here tonight. And if I knew about yours, I'll just leave it right there. I'm glad that you're here, and I'm thankful that you let me be here with you also. Those of you who are listening online, thank you. There's more and more coming all the time that are listening online. We welcome you to worship with us wherever you're at. In 1968, the, one of the most popular songs in the country and as a country music was a song that a lady named Tammy Wynette sang uh, a long, long time ago. And it was simply this. I remember listening to it when I was a little boy, and I didn't know what it meant. It said, our little boy is four years old and quite a little man. So we spell out the words we don't want him to understand, like T-O-Y or maybe S-U-R-P-R-I-S-E. But the words we're hiding from him now take the heart right out of me. Our D-I-V-O-R-C-E becomes final today. Anybody remember that song? I remember as a little boy hearing that and I thought, what is that song about? And I heard that word and I thought, what is that? What, what? She's talking about a word, spelling it out, and it was named divorce. Well, the Bible speaks mainly in four different areas, New Testament several places in the, the Old Testament about, uh, about divorce. When a husband or wife for different reasons, and there are many, many different reasons that a marriage uh, is broken up. Uh, I want to just tell you tonight, we're looking at this in Mark chapter 10, and we're not going to skip any pages because this is part of God's word, and it's good for me to know, it's good for you to know. And this is a passage that a lot of times, I'll just be real honest with you. Even when somebody's preaching through the gospel of Mark, this is just one that they just get to and go and jump right over that. We're not going to do that because the same God that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that loved you and me so much wrote this too and said this too. Now, I want to make one thing very clear because we're going to talk very practically. The scripture is very open. It uses plain language. Aren't you glad? Jesus doesn't sugarcoat things, and he doesn't, he doesn't talk in, uh, in you know, innuendos all the time and double entendres. And he's not trying to be sneaky in his words and sneak something in. He speaks very openly and honestly. I'm so thankful that he does. I want to make something very, very clear. We're going to read tonight a statement that I'll ask you to turn to in a moment. It said, God hates divorce. God hates divorce. It does not say, God hates the divorced. Let me repeat that. God hates divorce. It does not say that he hates the divorced. 
There are some churches that try to cause this area to be uh, an area of sin to where they uh, uh, ostracize people. And, and I want to tell you, in about 42 years of ministry, my heart has been broken by a few things. I thought about writing a book that starts out, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Do you think that would ever make it as a novel? But that's what church is sometimes. It's the best of times because we're with God's people that love Jesus and we love them. And we get to see the church alive and well. But also, you can see some tough stuff in church. Would you agree? It's the best of times and the worst of times. And one of the things that has broken my heart as often as anything else that I've watched in ministry is to see marriages that have been damaged, that have been uh, blindsided by the enemy. You remember Satan's plan is always to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to divide. A house divided against itself cannot stand. He doesn't care how you divide, how you get destroyed. He doesn't care. He would love to, to destroy every church on the planet and every Christian's life. But that's broken my heart as much as anything else to, to see uh, people that once said, I do, and I do forever, and things get in the way. You may be here tonight, and uh, I just want you to know you've been going through some of these same things, and uh, I never really knew the impact of it till it hit our family, and there's five of us siblings, and, and it hit our family, and, and so... There's a lot of in and outs. There's a lot of impacts that, that attack people. One of my best friends heard his little girls uh, talking and it broke his heart because he knew that the marriage that had started out that had produced those two precious little girls, their hearts were broken. They just didn't understand. So let's look at what Jesus said because we know Jesus loves us more than anybody else. He's the one who tells the truth. And he certainly didn't skip any pages from what his father wanted us to know. Look with me in chapter 10. Getting up, that's important. Last week we saw he sat down. A Jewish rabbi would sit down to teach. Now it says he got up. He went from there to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, crowds gathered around him again, and according to his custom. He once more began to teach them. Have you ever maybe gone to church somewhere? I hope you haven't here, but have you ever felt like you heard the preacher preach or you went to a class and somebody taught, but, but it seems like uh, everybody just runs out after the service is over and, and you might need to talk to somebody or have somebody pray with you. And, and it just seems like that, the person maybe doing the teaching in a class or something was unapproachable and, and you just felt like, well, they didn't want to stick around. Uh, be, be careful and don't give your preacher a hard time about that. You don't know how many nights of the week that he's been up all night at the hospital with somebody. But on the, the other hand, look at Jesus' life. He was always ready to teach somebody the good things. And this is another example. The crowds gathered around him, and as was his custom, he began to preach and to teach to them. And I, I mentioned already that Jesus talked about current issues. He talked about life. He talked about what you and I go through. Those of you who are still in school, you're getting your education. 
We need to talk about what does the Bible say about that season of life? We need to talk about those things. Those of you who are married and you're going through that season of life, maybe with little children and are, are, are being raised, we need to talk about those things. Those of you who might be found in this circumstance with, with divorce, we need to talk about those things. Not my opinion and not the latest book that's at Barnes & Noble's. We need to find out what God says about them. Uh, I just really get concerned when people say, I just don't think the church ought to be... The church ought to be talking about everything in our lives today from a biblical standpoint. Uh, it's interesting. You remember who has just been murdered? John the Baptist. Do you remember the topic that he had just spoken out? He had spoken up to a politician. You mean we were supposed to talk about politics in the church? Oh, my goodness. He had just talked to a politician who was in an adulterous marriage because he took his wife's brother, and John the Baptist said, the law says, God's word says, that's sin. They got his head cut off for it, and to be very brutally honest, I think churches would be a little stronger today if we had people willing to give their life for the gospel of Jesus. Well, Jesus is going to talk about this same subject because they're going to bring it up again. Talk, ask him questions. Remember when the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, rulers, when they ask Jesus questions, they're trying to trick him. They're not really wanting to learn. They're trying to catch him in his words. So, the crowds are gathering around. Uh, he is going to speak to them very plainly. Verse 2 says, Some Pharisees came up to Jesus, testing him, and began to question him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce a wife. Now, when we read that in the Scripture, we've got to realize that they are talking about according to God's law, lawful for these Pharisees, Sadducees, chief priests, rulers. They're talking about God's law. They're not talking about a national law of the Israelites. They're not talking about the law of the United States and what's on the books that is lawful or legal in our country. It's talking about what is God's word? What does the law of God say? Is it lawful for a man to divorce a wife? Now, this is a specific question. Let's look at it. Lawful according to God's word. Uh, it's going, they should be asking, what does God say about it? Not your opinion or anybody else's opinion. What does God say about it? And thirdly, this is a specific instance where it says a man is divorcing his wife, okay? I don't want to read out of the context. I want us to see what that is. So uh, one thing to remember, the, the Pharisees are going to see this as a legal decision. To them, divorce was a legal question and not a spiritual one. Well, I want to ask you, any of you that might have gone through it before, you may be suffering in, in the, right now through some of the consequences, or maybe your parents went through this and, and it affected you. Is divorce just a legal situation? It's just a legal matter that you can fill out the right papers and get over it? It's not, is it? it is, is it mental also? Is it physical? Does it affect people's lives and change their lives? Is it uh, emotional? Are people emotionally impacted by the separation of a husband and wife? Is it spiritual? God says that he is the one that joins man and wife together. That is a mystery. Every wedding I've ever done, I don't remember hardly any ever that I didn't tell them 
you know, I have a license to do this, but you're not going to be joined to, together by the state of Texas or uh, an ordained gospel preacher. You're going to be joined together by God. He's the one that wrote the book. He's the one that started it all. So they're asking very specifically, is it lawful? What does the Bible say? They should be asking him, and that's what they're thinking about. And verse 3, and he answered. You know what? I, I put this to, to remind myself something there. Uh, he is going to give them an answer. And really, that's what the church should never settle for anything less. We need to hear he answered. We need to hear what God says. What does the word of God say? What is his answer? Again, in counseling, you can come up with a lot of different situations, scenarios. People need help. We pray for them, encourage them. But it's really, at the end of the day, it's not going to be my opinion what I think they ought to do. I've got to get to God's word. Does God's word address that? If it addresses that, that's what they need. And so he answered, we need the same thing in our lives, whatever he answers. And by the way, when we look for God's answer in the Bible, there are two different camps of, of just error. There are people that want to add to the Bible. They want to tell you things that they believe God has told them that is extra biblical. Now, there are a lot of things that are outside the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us, you know, you've got to, you've got to put a boiling pot of water on the stove and it's okay to use gas or electricity or you're going you're gonna to boil water at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. I, don't, I haven't read that verse anywhere. So there's a lot of truth that's outside of the Bible, but we don't add to the Bible and say, thus saith the Lord. Would you agree? The other camp is, let's take things away from the Bible. How do you do that? Well, this Bible contains some of God's word. I always like that one. Uh, I don't like it, excuse me. I always think about hearing that. Who gets to pick which is God's words and, and which ones aren't? Uh, well, that was written to those old Jews. We need to take God's word in context, but the Bible was not only written to those Jews, it was written to all of us. So we don't add to the Bible. We don't take away from the Bible. We don't come with our agenda and say, I'm going to find something in the Bible that proves what I believe. That's backwards. We need to find what the Bible says and then say, Lord, change me to believe what you say. So they came to him and said, it's lawful for a man to divorce his wife. And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? Oftentimes Jesus answered that way. Go to the priest. What does the Old Testament say? What does Moses say? What does the law say? Jesus would tell his disciples, I did not come to destroy the law of the prophets, but to fulfill. He came to live the righteousness that God wanted, that the law pointed out you and I couldn't do on our own. So he answered, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. I want you to take your finger with me. It's important for us, I believe, to turn back to Deuteronomy 24. Just for a few minutes, a few seconds. Deuteronomy 24. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuter means second. Anomy is law. This is the second time the law was given. Moses wrote it in Deuteronomy 24. 
Look what it says here in the first verse. When a man takes a wife, marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out from his house. She leaves his house, goes and becomes another man's wife, and if the latter husband turns against her, writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies, who took her to be his wife, that... Then her former husband, who sent her away, is not allowed to take her again to be his wife since she is defiled, for that's an abomination before the Lord. He's just writing about a specific instance in the Old Testament where a writing, uh, it's called in some translations, a writ of divorcement is given. Now, there were two groups of uh, people, two camps, because two leaders taught that differently in the Old Testament. When the word indecency is written there, one person of a teacher of Old Testament said that is talking about a man would marry a woman believing that she'd never been with another man and he finds out she had been with another man, she was not a virgin, and that's indecency, and therefore, he had the, the, the privilege or the, the uh, right to write a writing of divorcement. That was one camp and what a lot of people believed as a man taught it. There was another guy that taught something totally different. And see if this sounds like what we do with some of the words of God today. He wrote that that means in Deuteronomy 24, if you get married and your wife burns the food... Stay with me, literally. Uh, you get tired of that woman. You find another woman that you think's prettier than she is. You can write her a writing of divorcement and tell her to get out of your house. Now, those were two beliefs that were very widespread back in the Old Testament. Well, we are fallen creatures, so which one do you think a lot of people held on to? I mean, the first time the beans were a little bit scorched, you know, she's out of here. How cruel is that? How wrong is that? I told you before that I've had my heart broken a lot of times, and I can tell you of many, many phone calls that I answer, and they say, are you Mike, and are you a pastor? Yes. Can I tell you what I'm going through? Yes. And I hear a story of what a woman is facing. And it's not always just a man mistreating a woman. I've seen the other oftentimes too, a woman mistreating a man. But many, many times, a man mistreat his wife, have children involved. They're afraid to stay in the house. They're in danger. He does not love them, does not take care of them does not provide for them, and I could make a real, real long list that we could look at tonight. I want to tell you, that breaks my heart. God never intended a man to mistreat a woman in any way. And in Denton Bible Church, we elders of the church, Tommy spoke about this last week, we don't deal with that slowly. We encourage things to be done quickly because a woman or her children do not need to stay in a place where they're in danger and a man's mistreating them. 
I admire some of you that work in those ministries and agencies we have here in our town that deal, and they get those calls first when somebody's in danger. And it happens all the time. God never intended for what goes on in our world today. And just like I read to you where somebody twisted the Bible and changed it and, and made it to where you can just get rid of your wife for any reason you want to. Even in our country, we used to have, when you filed for divorce, you had to have a reason. You had to prove unfaithfulness. You had to prove a reason. And now we have, you know what it's called? No-fault divorce. You don't have to even have a reason anymore. Well, I want to tell you that's not what God intended. They're asking Jesus this to try to get him to, to err. And he, they're not going to get him to make a mistake. They're trying to twist his words. And here he says something very clearly. He makes it current, relevant to where they live. Look at verse 5. Back in Mark, please. Verse 5. But Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. God said there was a time when all of you people in Israel, Moses was guiding and leading you, and because the people had become so hard-hearted that Moses gave you the permission to do that this way, when indecency was found and to write a writing of divorcement. But God says here through Jesus, but from the beginning of creation, that was not the way it was. When somebody asks you today, what does your church believe about this? And what does your church believe about this? Well, some of the greatest things you can do was, we believe the way God started it all the way back in the beginning. If you talk about egalitarianism and, and uh, complementarianism, what do we believe about men's roles and women's roles? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Because that's what God said. He started it. He's the one. I want you to think about this. Look at verse 5. Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, Jesus goes all the way back to the beginning. God made them male and female. I want you to see creation, God did it. Man didn't have anything to do with creation. Gender, God made them male and female. There's only two genders. I cannot stand it, and you should not be able to stand it. We will not tolerate anything different. We love people. We want to pray with them. We want to encourage them. I, I pray that I'll feed them if they're hungry, give them clothes to wear. But they are not going to tell the church, you're going to change your beliefs, deny God's word, and talk about all these other genders and all these. I can't even watch TV because all the commercials that come on. My goodness. We need to teach our little boys to be boys growing up to be men. We need to teach our little girls to be girls growing up to be ladies. There's nothing any different. God did creation. God did gender. There's only two. And marriage, God started it all. So the rules for marriage is what God says. Not what the state says or Hollywood says or anything else. It's what God says. For this reason, verse 7, a man shall leave his father and mother. Notice there's a dad and a mom there. You want to know what I, I believe one of the greatest reasons because of divorce, I mean, that causes divorce in our country today, in our world, is because men have not been the men they're supposed to be. They've not loved their wives like Christ loved the church. They've not loved their children, uh, teaching them the way the scripture tells them to be a godly example to them, provide for them, care for them, protect them. One of the greatest things, men, is we have failed. And the church doesn't need to sugarcoat or mealy mouth about those things. 
Uh, we need to be men. The scripture says, men be men. And we should not ever tolerate anything any different than way, the way God started it. Creation, God did it. Gender, God did it. Only two. Marriage, God does it. He leaves his father and mother both in place there, man and woman. There's only one father. There's only one mother. That's the way God intended it. And the two, husband and wife, shall become one flesh. Did you know that when you get married, we've got some young married couples right here, and I'm so glad to see you. When you got married, God no longer looked at you as two people the way he did before. He looked at you as one. Adam and Eve became one in God's sight. He joined you together in a special kind of love that's different than anything else in the world. Now, you love your children. You love your grandchildren. You love your aunts and your cousins. You love your grandparents. You love your parents. But there's no kind of love uh, that is exactly the same as loving your husband or loving your wife. It's different. It's a, it's a gift from God. And we deal with a lot of people right now. Willene's dealing with saying goodbye to her husband of all those years, Ted. You know why it hurts, Willene? Because they were one. They were joined together. And so God here, we go back to the beginning. From the beginning of creation, God's the one that said, yes, things changed, but they shouldn't have changed. Divorce, there shouldn't be a writing of divorcement. So it's not the way it's supposed to be. We got to go back to the beginning. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. The two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together. And that's one of the keys about marriage. God's the one that makes a marriage. Uh, you've probably been taught in counseling, it's 50-50. If you get married and you think marriage is 50-50, come and see me. Because I'm going to give you a prediction of what's going to happen in your life. It is not 50-50. It is 100% from the husband and 100% from the wife. And then it's a thousand, you can't have a thousand percent, but 100% asking Jesus to be the head of that home. That's what a real marriage is. Anything less, that's not going to be. I want you to notice God has joined the two. They're no longer two. There's not supposed to be three in a marriage. There's no such thing as four in a marriage. It is two, a man and a woman, from the beginning, the way God created it, and he recognizes nothing else. People that say, I married someone of their same gender, they are not married. They can say they are. They can put as many rings as they want to. They can try to hijack a rainbow, which is God's word and promise that he put in the sky, that he had never destroyed this earth again by a flood. They can try to do all those kind of things, but it's not going to change it at all. The fact is, they are not married. They are living a lie. And I'll tell you what, in their own consciences, and I deal with them all the time, and I, I love them. I want to pray with them. I'm not going to mistreat them in any way, but they're living a lie, and their own consciences know what they're doing is wrong. We're not going to skip any pages. And Jesus talked to them very, very plainly. So what God, therefore God's joined together. What is that next phrase? Let no man separate. Let no man. The man, the woman, the husband, the wife, the mom, the dad. You know some of the greatest things that a mom and dad can do when their little girl comes knocking on the door and says, he's not nice to me. 
If he hadn't mistreated her, he hasn't abused her, he hasn't abandoned her, he may be a guy that needs lots of work, and we all do, don't we? How many of you got married and you were finished? You were a perfect husband or wife when you got married? I'm glad my wife's not here tonight because she would, she's quiet in the church, but she would speak up, I'll guarantee you. As long as he hadn't mistreated her, mom and daddy say, we love you. Are you hungry? Do you need some clothes? you need something? Go home to your husband. Go back to your husband. Pray for him and love him. Same thing for the man. Knocking on the door. Well, you know, I just didn't know it was going to be like this. Go home. You made a commitment to love. I heard a great thing. God doesn't want us to be hard-hearted like the Pharisees. He wants us to be hard-headed enough to stick the marriage out. I thought that was pretty good. Don't be hard-hearted to not love people the way we should, but be hard-headed enough to say, by God's grace, I'm gonna stick it out. Some of the greatest marriages today that I know are people that had struggle in their marriage. They struggled, but they didn't quit. They didn't trade somebody in for a new model. They didn't give up, run out. They stuck it out, and God blessed them. Notice what it says. What God's joined together, let no man separate. No one. He never intended for that to happen. Uh, I'm also going to give you a few verses here. Uh, if you take down notes, write Malachi chapter 2, two verses 13 to 16. God says, you, you Israel, you have been unfaithful to the wife of your youth. That's the passage where God said, I hate divorce. He doesn't hate the people. He hates the act of divorcing to mistreat someone to cause that separation. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about uh, a time when God allows uh, divorce in the New Testament. If there's an unbeliever married to a believer and the unbeliever leaves that marriage, that unbeliever is not in bondage at all. That unbeliever is free. They're not guilty. I talked with a woman that had been divorced for 45 years and she cried with me saying my husband in World War II ran off and left me and I've never seen him since. He divorced her somehow legally and she had had a preacher tell her terrible things about her because that happened to her. The sweetest lady you've ever met. She wasn't in bondage. She wasn't, she wasn't guilty. Oh. You know what we do in the church sometimes? We shoot our wounded. When somebody's hurting, we just add to that hurt. And the church is supposed to be a hospital where we say, no, you come in. I've got hurts too. I've got things. I've got a lot of things the Lord's working on me. But let's seek God's will. Let's seek his answer. And let's ask him to fix it. Notice what happened in verse 10. Oh, let me give you another verse. Matthew 5, 31 to 32. Matthew 19, 3 to 9. And that's what we're going to read right here in Mark. In verse 10. In the house, the disciples began questioning him about this again. I can just see Peter saying, Now, Jesus, I got to ask you something about this. You were talking about divorce to those group of Pharisees, and you said some things. Could, could you explain that a little bit better to us? And he says, They asked him about him again, and he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she has committed adultery. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Matthew 19, 
that we are not to divorce unless there is adultery. If a man is unfaithful to his wife or a woman is unfaithful to her husband, the Lord says that is a reason why that they could divorce. Does it mean that they must divorce? If a man had committed adultery, his wife finds out about it, does that mean that wife automatically is commanded by God's word, you divorce him, get rid of him? No. There's many marriages that have been healed and people have been forgiven and men that have been rescued from that and women that have been rescued from that. But he warns us, we cannot be like that guy teaching in the Old Testament, she burns your food, get rid of her. You see somebody prettier, go get rid, get rid of her and get a new one. Jesus never intended that. God never intended that. And I want to talk to you real plain. Men that mistreat a woman and their children are some of the lowest human beings that walk the face of the earth. Women that mistreat men. You may say, ah, do you know we have a specific ministry at Denton Bible for that? Happens a lot more than you realize. Women that mistreat their husband are going to stand before Jesus one day for that. And meanwhile, the little children are ripped apart. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you here tonight had a mom and daddy that were divorced. And inside your heart right now, you can still feel the pain. God never intended for it. Does it happen? Yes, it does. Can we get through it? Is it the unpardonable sin? No. God can overcome and give a brand new life and start over. Aren't you glad? Oh, I'm so glad. But Jesus said, it's not the way it was in the Old Testament. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You Pharisees, you can't just decide to get rid of a spouse because you want to. God's word says, this is the way it has to be. And notice what it says. If she divorces her husband and marries another man, it does not say another woman. Never has and never will. God never even entertains the thought. She is committing adultery. I don't know how many weddings I've done. Uh, we're about to have communion. And communion actually is a preview of a wedding feast that's going to be in heaven one day. Jesus told his disciples, I'm not going to drink and eat with you again. He's about to be arrested, you remember? Uh, the night that he was arrested and he was betrayed and they took him to crucify him. He said, I won't eat with you again until I eat it new and drink new with you in the kingdom of heaven. I had a wonderful old saint in the church that I pastored for so long and he said, uh, I'm not long for this world. Maybe I can celebrate Thanksgiving at the feet of Jesus at his table this Thanksgiving. And he did. And he did. That's what we ought to be looking forward to. That's what communion, it looks back to the cross and looks forward to Jesus coming back, getting us and taking us to that place he's preparing for us. But until then, I don't know how many of you, what songs you had that if you've been married, I don't know what songs you had in your wedding. But there's a lot of common ones, you know. There is love, you know that one? 
Uh, many people had it. We've only just begun. We've all had that one. Uh, there was a group that came and sang at a church one time, and they were honoring a, a couple that had been married for 50 years, and they took requests. And the group looked a little funny, but they started singing the song, shackled by a heavy burden. And they realized that's not really appropriate for a 50th wedding anniversary. But how many of you remember the wedding march? Da, 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 da. You know what the words to that are? Faithful and true. That's the words of that song. Faithful and true. So very simply here tonight, my brothers and my sisters, the church loves you. Jesus loves you more than anybody. God's word is perfect. We don't want to skip any pages. You may be here tonight and you say, man, I'm headed to divorce right now. What can I do? Come and let us pray with you. We'll walk with you through that. Maybe God will spare that and it won't happen. I've been through that before and we've got shrapnel. Come. Let your brothers and sisters be with you. We might not have gone through that, but we've gone through something else. That's what the church is for, to encourage and love. God hates divorce, but he doesn't hate the divorced. He loves us. One final thought. Well, I just feel so bad that I'm in a situation where my spouse didn't stay true and love me. In Jeremiah, there's an amazing passage. God's talking to Israel and God speaks to, to Israel like he was joined in a marital relationship with Israel. And he said, Israel, you have been unfaithful. You have not been true to our relationship. You have committed adultery against me. Did you know that's Bible? So the next time you're wondering, does anybody know what I've gone through? God know, knows what it's like to have somebody be unfaithful to him. So let's go to God's word and find out. Let's go to prayer with him and find out because he'll meet you right there and he'll help you. And if you know somebody here tonight that's struggling, maybe they'll never mention to somebody else or they've gone through divorce or children that have gone through their parents' divorce, you run to them, love them, wrap your arms around them, restore Beg them to come back. Start over. Aren't you glad we have a Savior that lets us start over? And the next time somebody asks you to teach some of God's word, don't skip any pages. Let's pray. As the group comes to lead us here with communion, our music guys are going to come forward. We remember the words of our Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. He had taken off his rabbi's robe and put on a towel of a servant. And he washed Peter and James and John and those apostles' feet. I don't know if you've ever done that before. I have. It's humbling. Jesus said, one of you that eats at the table with me and drinks of this cup is going to betray me. And the apostles didn't know what he was talking about, but... That's what we're about to do is to remember that time. The scripture tells us that when we come to the communion table, we must not come in an unworthy manner. 
If you're a Christian here tonight and you may not be a member of Denton Bible, but you're a believer and you love Jesus, we invite you to partake with us. You may be a member of another church, but if you're saved, we invite you to come and partake with us. If you're not a believer here tonight, please, please don't partake of the cup. It's not for somebody that's not a Christian. It also tells us, Christian, look inside your heart. Examine your own heart. And I'm going to ask you to do that with me right now before we go further. Would you take a few moments that we will pray silently together and just ask God to examine our personal hearts. Do that with me now.